Hey, welcome to your almost weekend. It's Friday. That means it's time for another edition of the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt, alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gomison. Hello, Adam. It's good to be with you on this Friday. And today, we're going to talk about a very important topic, and that is the issue of bullying, which has just served to become more prevalent with the advent of social media. Uh, and so we're going to talk about um, a little bit about the anti-bullying movement with a friend of mine, Jeff Veely, who I actually met uh, through another circle of friends, but then kind of we've circled back around and become reacquainted through this world of radio and podcasting. So it's good to have him in the studio. And uh, I've been wanting to do this for some time, but our schedules just haven't meshed. So we'll get to him in just a moment. But first, Adam has a quote of the day. Are you aware that you brought a special needs student and the biggest bully in school on stage to volunteer with you? For the last week, our teachers have been trying to figure out how you knew to pick them. Everyone was amazed to see that even the biggest bully in the school couldn't bully you when you responded in love. You got through to a student that we've all struggled to reach and showed the other students what's possible. Thank you. That is Jane Smith, a junior high teacher. And that is just one endorsement from Jeff Veely's uh, website, and so we're very excited to talk a little bit about that with Jeff today. So welcome to the studio, Jeff. Thank you so much. Good to be with you, buddy. Um, and I'm just glad that you took this time, and we'll start out um, at the beginning. And tell us a little bit about your growing up years. I thought we were going to start when God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, yeah, Genesis That's the beginning. One. I was like, oh, we're going a long way back. I well, wasn't around then. I should have I said, said your beginning. Okay, my beginning. There you go. <laughs> Well, I was I was born at a very young age, and uh, <laughs> my beginning. So, okay, let me know what you want to know about my beginning. I'll give you all the details. Well, just just talk a little bit about um, your childhood and 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 growing up. Sure. So, growing up, um, I was really around a lot of entertainment growing up, which uh, it's how I landed here. I guess you could say I was on stage since I was three years old because my dad was uh, in a rock band and he actually toured. Uh, and then settled down and had a family, kind of stereotypical story, I guess you can say, of those that are on tour and uh, and want to have a family life someday. And so I always grew up around a lot of music, a lot of entertainment, and that was a big part of my life. Um, being a young kid, I didn't really fit in very well in school. I was this uh, creative kid with, with ADD and probably more energy than you should bottle up in one single human being. <laughs> so I was the kid that uh, would always kind of cause a disruption in the classroom, um, not because I wanted to... Uh, cause any issues just be, but because I had so much creative energy and um, not always had outlets in the classroom to be able to express that so um, that is kind of the beginning of my story uh, was kind of getting diagnosed with that and uh, uh, for me kind of where the bullying started yeah and I think anytime you stick 20 or 30 kids in one room and try to teach them in one way some <laughs> of that stuff will come out um, because even in my work now volunteering at a school and doing some substitute teaching, you do notice that mm -hmm. how there's just certain kids that are high energy and necessarily expecting them to be completely still for the duration of your class periods is not always the best way to go to get the most out of them. So I definitely can see where you're coming from there. Well, here on the Speaking for Him podcast, our main focus is on our Christian life and growing closer to God and making him uh, number one in your life and central to your life's goals and mission. So 
but I'd like to hear a little bit about how you came to know Christ in a personal way and how that's impacted your life. Certainly. I was uh, brought up in a Christian home, and my parents were both uh, strong believers. My grandparents as well, being a big part of my life, they're kind of like a second set of parents to me growing up. And so I accepted Christ when I think I was about five or six, and I remember my grandma was uh, putting on some makeup or something in her bathroom, and I kind of uh, walked up and, and said, hey, I want to talk to you more about Jesus. And all I remember is that age is looking out the window and talking about God's creation and uh, making the choice then to ask Jesus to come into my heart. Um, I would say, even though I accepted Christ at that age um, and led worship for a number of years, I didn't really fully comprehend what it meant to follow God's will until I was about 18. And that was where um, I was a, a really troubled teen. I had you know, I grew up in a Christian home. There was also abuse in my home between my mother and I, and uh, that was caused a lot of problems. I lost my dad when I was 16, and so I was really lost. And so I kept trying to do things my way, but found that uh, I kept hitting a brick wall. Things just didn't seem to work for me. I would, I would move ahead, and life would be great, and then all of a sudden I felt like I hit another wall and I would stop. And so it was a, a night where I was really faced with um, my mom and I had had this big fight, and uh, the I think the the shattering or the the shift, the turn for me in my life was um, my mom had gotten in, in this fight and things had turned physical and we had hit one another and uh, she decided to call the police and I thought I was going to go to jail um, and that's when my anger was kind of out of control and I just said hey God you know I I'm trying to do things my way and this is not working um, you know what do you have for me I want to I want to follow you I want to want you to just take control of this mess. And uh, God spoke to me in that moment, and things were never the same from there. It uh, was instead of me sharing my plans um, and trying to drag God along with that, it was me choosing to follow his plan and constantly seek him for what the next steps were. Well, and I love stories like that because my story is very similar. I came to know the Lord when I was about five. But then for the first nine years that I was saved, I knew what my permanent destination would be, that heaven was, was mine. But I also hated my temporary destination because it involved being in a wheelchair and having these physical limitations. And especially um, in the cold weather months, it's kind of difficult to get out and about and also to stay warm because of my situation of always being sitting. So things like that made it very undesirable to me to be the way I was. And I, I spent a lot of time arguing with God over the next nine mm. years, but I found out as I got into my early teen years, to make a long story short, that um, it doesn't do any good to argue with God because he knows <laughs> the answers to arguments before you even form <laughs> right, yeah. argument. And uh, he got through to me, and he just has a way of bringing things back around. You know, I've been wanting to do radio slash podcasting since I was a seven-year-old kid, and I made fake radio shows and all that good stuff. And when I finally surrendered, God and let him take the take the lead he circled me back around and gave me an opportunity to do this podcast and some other stuff in radio that I never thought I would get a chance to do so God is pretty amazing that way yeah I believe that uh, sometimes in a moment of pain that's when you can actually find your potential and you can use that and it uh, can actually change your life from the inside out how God uses those difficult moments where it feels like you're caught between a rock and a hard place it's actually a pressure cooker often for what you're going to do later in your life all right, well, I have the pleasure of having um, Adam McNutt as my co-host, and he's a, a mutual friend of yours as well. Oh, yeah. So, Adam, let's bring you into the conversation. Do you have any questions for Jeff? 
What's up, bully man? Oh man, I don't, you should see everything was going good, and you had to bring this guy. He knows too much of my business. Uh, Thanks for in the producer power seat. You know, there you Just go. Never know what's going to happen. That's no, right. I had the honor of working with Jeff at JQ ninety nine point three, and it's been an absolute blast. Always, always have a good time with you, man. Uh, it's always good. It's great to be able to learn more about you through the podcast today. Kind of where you came from, and in those years, when did you really first feel burdened to like start speaking out against bullying? Hmm. It's a good question. I, I always say that I didn't really choose that. It chose me. God kind of mm. threw me into it. Um, I spent eight years working with um, young people through the social work field. I ran after school programs for at-risk kids, uh, com- programs for community mental health clients, um, ran some residential treatment homes for kids that were abused and neglected and then ha- struggled with their own behavioral problems as a result of that. And so they were often court-ordered into these programs to kind of work on their behavior. So Doing all of these things, my buddy and I, um, running a residential home, found that we were having more and more kids sent to us that were being put on uh, a suicide watch where they were trying to harm themselves. And we would have to check on these kids and document their behavior every 15 minutes and all this intense paperwork to show that they were safe with us. And as we talked to these kids about why they were there, we realized that a lot of their issues were stemming with um, being hurt. Okay, so some of these kids, uh, most of them actually had been abused, but it seemed that the words from their school were also just adding on to this things that kids would say, things that even teachers sometimes would say to them, uh, because often our kids acted out. And so they would, you know, call them a bad kid and tell them what a bad kid they were. And, and I just believe that that's one of the worst things you can do is to label someone. The best thing you can do is to speak life into someone and encourage them and let them know not where they're at right now, but who they could be in the future. And so as we uh, were hanging out uh, one night after work at his place, he's a guitar player, I'm a drummer, and we would kind of jam out the stress of some of those really long days uh, working with uh, kids that had great needs. He looked at me and he said, you know, brother, are we even making a dent? And as we sat there talking about it, we have CNN just kind of on in the background. We flipped on the TV as we're chatting. And two girls had actually uh, committed suicide. And they were the same age as his daughter. He said, we need to do something else about this. He said, you're a speaker. I had you know, spoken for a couple uh, nonprofits and uh, spoken at a couple schools at that point. And he said, I'm a graphic designer and a musician. Uh, that's got to be good for something. So he woke up the next morning uh, with this vision after praying, and it was a fist in the air symbolizing uh, revolution. It's a universal symbol recognized uh, all over the world. And the kids would say the words to us, why do they hate me? Why do my parents hate me? Why do my teachers hate me? Why do my classmates hate me? And so he put the words, why do you hate me on this fist, saying, hey, we need to start a revolution. And that was uploaded uh, to a Photoshop file onto Facebook, uh, onto a T-shirt. Because he thought, hey, if we got some of these T-shirts made, kind of spark a discussion, be a good tool for raising awareness. And in three hours, that uh, T-shirt picture had gone all over the world. Um, it had been shared to, we had orders for these shirts that didn't even exist. It was just a design he put together in software uh, wow. from actually three different countries. And he said, well, he said, you've been asking God if you're supposed to do something to speak about bullying. He goes, here's your answer. And so he started to uh, promote the music that he was making, started to write music about bullying uh, we created something called the Why Do You Hate Me Anti-Bullying Movement. Uh, we've been able to reach uh, over eight countries with that. And it was God really just throwing us into it. Um, so we spent several months you know, researching the best ways to teach this. And I worked on a speech and was mentored by some other bullying experts uh, who kind of took me along and said, hey, let us teach you how to do this and do this well so you can go help kids. So 
that's uh, about that took place about three years ago, and to date uh, we've reached uh, over one million people through the movement. So it's wow. been really incredible, and uh, that's been all God. <laughs> we just try to come, come, wake up in the morning, willing to do His work, and the uh, the emails and the work and all the different stuff is is there. So it's been incredible. So that brings me to the next question, which is, what's next? What are you working on right now? Yeah. So right now. Um, putting together a tour to reach schools uh, here in West Michigan. So I've been teaming up with JQ 99.3. Um, I'm providing the programming, and they're helping get uh, the funding to make that possible. So we're looking at uh, hopefully doing that next fall, uh, pulling everything together to be able to make that work out. Um, I'm also working on some additional radio and kind of podcast stuff myself to be able to take this content that I share in schools uh, to kids and put it on a recorded um recorded kind of a, a device or recorded platform where we can then send this out to other radio stations and have it available for for parents some more tips on how to help their kids as well as information for teens so we have a video right now uh, that's kind of the beginning of that journey on um, that uh, parents can look up at freebullysolutions.com it's a free training video but we want to just continue to expand that library of resources out there uh, for folks all right well that sounds good and and you know, podcasting really is um, where 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 a lot of people are. I know I listen to a lot more podcasts. It seems like lately than I do live radio. Yeah. Um, because you can listen on demand on your own schedule, and it's just an exciting way. And it's been a really exciting medium for me to work in as well because I've been able to um, come in and do sessions where I re- record two or three shows, and I'm able to stay ahead of the ball game and be able to have a sh- I've been able to have a podcast every single Friday for over two years that's great so that's been very exciting and you know the door's still open so I'm hoping to do it for a long time to come awesome so it's it's definitely a good medium um, uh, do you have a Bible verse that um, specifically motivates you in life or um, as you deal with the uh, the uh, bullying, anti-bullying movement in particular? Certainly, yeah. If you're interested in learning about God's solution for bullying, I definitely encourage you to read Romans 12. Um, that just really talks about how to deal with difficult, hurtful, and hateful people. But a verse uh, from First Peter that I love is, don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing, for that is what God has commanded you to do. And he will bless you for it. And the cool thing is when we step out, I mean, you think about bullying. It's really someone that's wanting to make you upset. It's, it's an imbalance of power. So if you choose to get upset, the bully wins and you lose. But if instead you choose to be resilient, be emotionally strong, be mentally tough, and you choose not to get upset but to stay calm and be kind, you're following God's plan. And the Holy Spirit is there with you in that moment. So the key is to remember that you are not alone. Be calm. Be kind. Don't get upset. Don't let them win no matter what that bully says. And kindness actually causes confusion. Or as Proverbs says, a soft answer turns away wrath. You can actually turn their anger, or you can just change their anger or their hatred towards you by simply choosing love, choosing kindness in your response. Well, I know my, my parents often told us that over and over again as siblings, as we dealt with sibling rivalry. <laughs> yeah. The fact that if you if they goad you about something, they're doing it so they can get a reaction from you. And if they don't get the reaction, they'll stop goading you. That's right. It's not always easy to receive, though, because 
your natural reaction is, well, I want to get back at them. But like you said, uh, if you continue to retaliate, it just continues to go back and forth and grows and gets out of control. Yeah, we respond uh, based off of something called the law of reciprocity, which is just that idea that you reciprocate or reflect like a mirror the same behavior, attitude, or language that someone uh, comes at you with, where instead the golden rule, we we often think the golden rule was invented to teach us how to be nice to nice people, but that's super easy. We don't really need a golden rule for that, (laughs) right? Someone's like, hey, I like your shirt. You're like, thank you so much. What's difficult is to be a nice people that are mean to you, that are difficult. They say, I hate you. You say, oh, I'm sorry you don't like me. I hope you have a good day. You know, that, <laughs> that's really difficult. So that's why we have the golden rule. And, and Jesus taught the golden rule. And the whole idea is to treat others the way you want to be treated. Don't treat them the way they treat you. Remember, that's a law of reciprocity. That's allowing them to control your emotions by how they treat you in the first place. Don't do that. Instead, use the golden rule. Treat them the way you want to be treated. And when we treat those that pretend to be our enemies like friends, we can actually turn our enemies into our friends. It's amazing. That uh, love changes it all. I think Jesus even said that even the Pharisees, who he didn't have a very high opinion of, but he mm. said even they know how to love each other. Um, you know, so so the idea is to stretch out of your comfort zone and and purpose to love people that can't give you things in return. That's a challenge to me as well as to all of you who may be listening. And I hope that if you enjoy this podcast and particularly this episode that you will share it with your family and friends so that they can hear more about this vital topic. And we'll encourage you to keep in touch with Jeff through his um, website, jeffbeely.com. I'm sure he keeps that up to date, and he will let you know when the details drop about the tour that is upcoming. I think they were going to have it um, going on already, if I remember correctly, but it, it, the the response to it just exploded so much that they're, trying to work out all the details, make sure people get served. So that's good news to hear. Um, but uh, stay tuned to jeffveely.com. We'll have that website up on our blog so that you can uh, get in touch with Jeff if you'd like to have him speak. Uh, I know he does some some magic as well. So he does a variety of different things to get into schools and give them some positive things to think about and to, to build a life on. That's really what we're about here on the Speaking for Him podcast, so we're grateful to have um, brought this to you. Thank you so much for your time, Jeff. Oh, you're so Just welcome. Thank one you. One final uh, question is... Hit me. Do, do you have any final advice <laughs> for our listeners um, on finding their own mission in life or perhaps in dealing with with a bully? Yeah. So finding your own mission in life, let me answer that first. Uh, prayer. Lots of prayer. For me, I grew up around entertainment, so I thought that that's what I was supposed to do. I was involved in theater, music, um, illusion, kind of stuff, doing magic tricks and and that uh, sort of thing. So I thought that that was my path. But what God really wanted me to do was work with kids. So he kind of shut all the entertainment opportunities down uh, for a series of several years. And uh, I mean, like the phone calls just quit coming for me to do different gigs. Like I couldn't get connected as hard as I tried. And God closed that door because he wanted me to work with kids. And so then after I worked with kids, after a season where I learned that, um, the Lord reopened that door. And here's what he told me. He said to bring those two things together, use entertainment, because as Mary Poppins says, a spoonful of sugar of some medicine go down, right? <laughs> You're going to teach somebody. You first have to understand how to reach them. You can't teach them until you can reach them. You need to understand how to reach them. So I reach people through entertainment, clean comedy, magic, that sort of thing, uh, real life stories that have happened that uh, just inspire people. 
But then I mix the wisdom that I learned from working with young people into that and put the two together. But, you know, I prayed for three months what that was supposed to look like every day. I mean, every day, just praying and praying and praying and praying several times a day, hoping that God would share an answer. And one night as I'm going to bed, I shut off my lights. I was like, oh, is God ever going to answer this prayer? (laughs) And all of a sudden, boom, it hit me. It was like something dropped from like heaven. I don't even know how to explain this. It's like that moment where you have a really great idea and you get really excited. It's that light bulb moment, except I knew there's no way in the world I would have thought of this because I was asking for the answer. I didn't have the answer inside of me. And I heard motivational speaking, just something inside of me said, motiv-. and I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, man, <laughs> I hope that's a neighbor's prayer because <laughs> the one thing that terrified me more than anything else is if I had to get up on stage, I didn't have my drum set. I didn't have a magic trick to do. If it was just me and a microphone, I was terrified of that. <laughs> and little did I know that was the one thing God was preparing me for all those years. And um, so that is how you find out your mission. If you want to know, you just need to pray. You need to try some different things, build up your skills, volunteer as much as you possibly can, give back, and then pray. And pray until you hear that answer because God is always longing to speak to us. And as far as dealing with a bully, um, be calm be kind. Don't get upset. Don't give in or they win. Stay calm. Be kind. And you will see that you can change that relationship through consistency. Consistency is the key to behavioral change. By continually showing love, that person, it's almost impossible to continue being mean and mistreating someone who's nice to you. It actually, uh, people have a crisis of conscience. They don't want to do that. And if you want to learn more about what that process looks like, how to turn your enemy or your bully into your friend, you can check that out at freebullysolutions.com. All right. And also on the flip side of that, it's hard to resent somebody in the way they've treated you if you purposely go out of your way to find something nice that you can that's do for right. them. And that's one thing that I've noticed in my own personal life with people that I've had struggles with. If I go out of my way to do something nice for them for no other reason than to do it, it causes me to ha- naturally have a, a better attitude mm. toward them. And then right along the lines of what you were saying about uh, reject, kind of uh, hesitating at God's call on your life and having things come back around. Like when I was in high school, the only thing I ever wanted to do was to be a, to be a disc jockey at a radio station. That's what I wanted to do. I thought I'm going to go to Cornerstone University. I'm going to get my communications degree. I'm going to be a disc jockey. But God kind of started leading me in a different direction, and I got a degree in biblical counseling, followed by my communications degree. And God started showing me that the preaching was the the primary vehicle, and then he allowed some of these things like the radio to come back in and be a part of it. And it's kind of funny you talking about being blindsided by this whole idea that God wanted you to public (laughs) speak, because I still remember the first time I ever did anything in public. I sang a solo at um, summer camp when we went to a family camp when I was like nine years old. And I was so scared that I sang with my back to the audience. (laughs) I've come a long way since then, and now I regularly preach at churches, and I'm still a little nervous every time I do it, but I think I'd be a little worried if I wasn't, actually, because God is the one that does the work, and I'm just the vessel. But God has really shown me, you know, like... I was, I was telling, um, I have mentioned before, when you think that you have an argument for God, he already has the answer. So it doesn't make any sense to, 
to waste your time with arguing with him. And just like Moses, Moses said, I can't do what you want me to do, God, when, when it came time to leading the children out of children of Israel out of Egypt. But God said, I'm sending you. Mm. And so you go and I'll go with you and I will take care of everything. And that's what God's saying to us today, that if he has called us, he will equip us. That's See, right. We think that he called, we, we think that he um, calls the equipped, but he actually equips the call. When he met Gideon, Gideon was in a wine press hiding from the Midianites. And he said, um, the Lord be with you, mighty man of valor. Now, I'm pretty sure Gideon didn't feel like a mighty man at that time. <laughs> He's like, I got grapes, man. But, <laughs> I don't know what you do. <laughs> but God sees people for their potential, as Jeff said earlier. That's right. So that, that's what I most want to get across to everyone listening in this episode, is that God sees you for who he wants you to become, not just for who you are right now. Well, with that... We will say goodbye for another week, but make sure that you hit us up in the contact information that is about to roll at the end of the show. Let us know what you like, what you didn't like, how we can improve, and if you have a story that you'd like to tell, we'd love to have you in as well. For the Speaking for Him podcast, this is Andrew Gomison saying, as always, keep serving the best. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking For Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 